you want to come and see the Globetrotters today, son? I came for the beer and the bitches. Welcome back to Rotten Rewind, a podcast that visits the hellscape of critically maligned movies to see if they deserve their place in critical damnation. I'm Max Rue. And I'm Courtney Peranto. And this week we return to our series within a series on comedies in the 2000s by taking a look at two of the previous decade's most prolific cinematic goofballs, Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler. Surely, if our adolescence was commemorated in a Mount Rushmore-like monument, Mr. Carey and Mr. Sandler's bus would sit proudly in the middle of such a statue. I, I don't know who would be surrounding them. But... Probably Polly Shore. Oh, shit. No. Can we put, we need to put a girl up there, but does it have to be Jenny McCarthy? <laughs> I don't think women were allowed to be funny That's until true. the late 2000s. Janine Garofalo was big for me. You're also talking about the goofball Mount Rushmore, and I feel yeah, like Janine Garofalo is like very sardonic and the uh, smart yeah who Kathy like, might be up there <laughs> yeah that's really who was the funny lady in the who was the funny lady uh, who was the think, lady that made us laugh ellen no <laughs> it's rosie weird O'Donnell? like rosie o'donnell yeah rosie, i was like jenny rosie, mccarthy roseanne barr yeah yeah roseanne barr and then like a bunch of snl players that like didn't really right. get to be like a star in the way that i think that yeah because everybody who i think was like funny was more like like Tracy Ullman was on TV, really. Yeah. Anna Gasteyer. Whoopi Goldberg was. Whoopi I mean, Goldberg was a movie star, but I mean, I saw a... The Associate and Eddie in theaters, and I couldn't oh, I tell you Eddie. a thing about them, but I did see them. Eddie's a basketball movie, I think, right? Yeah, Frank Langella's in it. It's a it's a classic. Okay, so you do know yeah. a thing about it. I just know that Frank Langella's in it. The SNL thing yeah. is interesting, Courtney, because like a, a lot of the er, like the late '80s and early '90s SNL runs, of which Sandler was a part, were like criticized in hindsight for being like extremely male. Like I think mm-hmm. when Sandler was an SNL cast member, that central lineup had like two women and Janine Garofalo left the show very unceremoniously. And what you see in like probably the like early to mid 2000s is like the emergence of people like Kristen Wiig and Maya right. Rudolph who like at the time well, before just that like, like Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon oh for I sure yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah yeah there was yeah, super, I guess, like, with this conversation, yeah true 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 is making me realize is like how much I really did love Janine Garofalo and how how special she really was also I mean Parker Posey I would not call her necessarily a comedian but she's like in those movies where she is like the yeah that's part. what I mean is like I feel like a lot of them were playing like kind of subtler like mm-hmm. it's more of, the way comedies were marketed then because like if you're gonna take Sandler and Carrie as the two big examples the idea was you're going to sell these movies that they are the stars of off the strength of like you're gonna see these dudes do some goofy ass shit and we don't model comedies that same way any it's not really a framework that people really stick to it's a little archaic these days Margaret Cho was big especially like to me because when you look at the biggest comedies of the 90s I mean it was yeah it was like Dumb and Dumber I mean obviously Jim Carrey Robin Williams Eddie Murphy and Sandler were like the top guys. Chris Farley died when? Farley, Farley died 96, 97. 
seven. I was going to say, because yeah. I think that he could have been, I mean. I think he, uh, he never really had, like, big, his movies didn't, like, do really well. I think, Tommy but also Boy Sandler. Tommy, no, Tommy Boy did very well. Tommy Boy is so tight. I don't know Tom, if it did. It did well in, with, when you factor in, like, kind of the Oh, well, yeah, later on, experience. they're, yeah. like, cult movies and stuff. But, yeah. All these guys have, like, daddy issues, hell yeah, hella hard in their movies. I guess. Yeah, so. the story of Chris Farley and his relationship with his dad is actually, like, extremely tragic. You could do oh, a, a whole many episode podcast about that issue. I guess the biggest comedy that came out of the 90s that was like female centric was Clueless. Right. Yeah, for sure. That would be Definitely. the biggest one. And then Mike Myers was huge at the end of the 90s. Oh, that fuck. tells you something about yeah, where, where we are. were at as a, as a society. Um, Mike Myers. Yeah, just where it's like, like, so if you're you're if you're a funny lady, you still have to be sort of like a leading lady actress. Like oh, female. Com- yeah. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. S- such a fucking tight movie, but still same thing. Those women kind like, of a are more. Movie. That yeah. movie got retroactively appreciated. I feel mm-hmm. like when it came out, it like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the praise for that movie is from like Letter box users our age who are 90s kids who just like want to remember how Brilliant good movies used rules. to be it's so yeah. good to try to get us a little bit back on track this is like oh you think it's your job to oh, get you, us back yeah. on track I you think you fucking are in charge of this i mean i'm gonna say when we're back on track i'm the train conductor now baby i'm getting us back on the track well these dudes were like the titans of my childhood in particular for sure i mean mine too and i'm not even like a gross out humor girl yeah do you think these guys made gross out movies for Sure. I mean, I think some of the, I think that like some of them definitely like Jim Carrey obviously made gross out movies with the Fairley brothers. Sandler's movies. Well, Sandler's movies at this point were a little more like this is when he was starting to become more mainstream. And I think Little yeah. Nicky was the last time that he ever attempted anything weird. Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore are both those both weren't like financially successful movies. They were just kind of cult movies that I think did really well on video. But like those movies, I think comparatively are pretty fucking weird and kind of dark. They and are. Then Wedding also, singer also and water boy. Yeah. And like, well, I think what Billy do you Madison, the peeing in the pants thing is still like really, really sweet to me. You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. Yeah. I mean, like, they obviously <laughs> got sweeter. Like, I think by the time he does Mr. Deeds, which is what he does after this, it was like him being like, all right, I'm not going to do anything fucking weird. Since we're, yeah, since we're meditating on the, uh, on the odds for the next several weeks, I think this episode is kind of, yeah, like we talked about, we're talking about two of the biggest stars of the 90s and 2000s, respectively. Like, yeah. Carrie's star definitely started to decline faster than Sam. Like, Sailors, if anything, he just, his movies just got bigger and bigger. Like, he's managed yeah. to just make it through every Every single cultural shift in comedy. They're also without really like think. adopting to it. Like he's not yeah. someone who like has no. ever like chased trends or like even to his detriment. Even when it's gotten him in trouble, he's kind of like he has a shtick. He's done it for years. It's evolved. It's ebbed and flowed. And uh, I have a lot of feelings about Adam Sandler. I've been begging Max to do Adam yeah. Sandler for as long as he's been doing this. He calls me every day, every single day. Let <laughs> me talk about it. When are you going to talk about it? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think with like Carrie, it was like. You know, after his reign of like Ace Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Liar Liar, like all these huge movies. And then he had like a quick kind of, I feel like like Will Smith and Tom Cruise and like the turn of the century, he was like, okay, maybe I'll try to win an Oscar for something more dramatic. He does The Treatment Show, Man on the Moon, doesn't get nominated for either one. He still remains unnominated. I think he should have been probably nominated for at least the Truman Show. I think they're both actors that people sort of root for. To He's like great in Eternal Sunshine award. too. It's just like yeah. a really subtle performance. And then like, I never saw The Majestic. I don't really know. Oh, what the I fuck. don't care to see that. Yeah. Carrie does the Robin Williams thing where he's a little more gracefully 
stepping into the role of like a comedian who turns into a dramatic actor. Whereas there was a period where like around the time of little Nikki and Mr. Deeds, where people were like, when is Sandler going to grow up? When is he going to stop mm-hmm. doing the shtick that he's doing? Never. And when is he going to stop shooting? But even his, <laughs> most of his dramatic parts are not like Carrie's very chameleonic. His whole thing is like transforming himself to some degree. Whereas Sandler's persona is so potent, mm-hmm. impossible to deny that Punch Drunk Love, Uncut Gems, all of Spanglish the movies, people kind of liked as like a he's great in Spanglish. But all yeah, but yeah. all those movies are kind of just a mature extensions and explorations of the Sandler persona. They're not radical deviations from it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think Rain Over Me was the only one that was like that just didn't really work, and I wouldn't even say that he's horrible but you have not seen the cobbler that's true it rain over me i feel like he's kind of just playing the brother and there's something about mary where like oh. he just walks around with his headphones on all the time and like he gets upset if you take his headphones off but his family died in 9 11 and that's why he's upset it's a really sad oh, story and it's just yeah not handled <laughs> rain well. over me is not rotten or else the, the rain over me remember it's the not? episode would have been fantastic um wow. no rain over me is like i think a 63 or something it's like barely uh, fresh but maybe it will start sinking so Somehow. For today with Jim Carrey, though, we're talking about his return to comedy after trying to briefly win an Oscar with the split personality, I guess, sort of copaganda film, Me, Myself and Irene. And then after that, we're going to be jumping to the Sandman for the first time. I can't believe it. And this was like probably his first bomb because Billy Madison and mm-hmm. Happy Gilmore, even though they weren't like financially like hits, I don't think they were pretty low risk. He had yeah. checked off so many quadrants. There was the wedding singer where they were like, can we pair him with a female lead? Does this humor work in mm-hmm. a love story angle that works the water boy takes the kind of sports angle of happy gilmore it's a massive massive hit and then big daddy is kind of like there's this weird like vein of like capra-esque sentimentality that runs through his well, because it is a remake big daddy oh i'm sorry i thought no, i'm sorry mr, mr. deeds mr deeds big daddy is a remake of a gregory peck movie called big daddy <laughs> from- but little nicky i guess it's like the first movie of his that's just like a massive he has a couple in his filmography but it's like a massive in indulgent folly that mm-hmm. a lot of people are left like kind of like huh okay <laughs> what we forgot to do is introduce you nick so little nicky's here yeah. and here to discuss these two minor tumbles from both actors is our darling nicky nick laskin that's who you've been hearing he's also our captain <laughs> I guess. he's, he's yeah. gonna steer us we would have been, ta- we been talking about Polly shore for four hours if i didn't get us back on track oh man that's... we're gonna do son in law someday you're gonna one day we'll love do it. son in law <laughs> I think you can probably just do the whole filmography. Son in law with the pest. Like I wanna do oh, no, movies Courtney. that are like engineered for pain <laughs> run away from yeah. them. Yeah, listen, I hate, I like, again, it, like, we I. We should definitely do a weird episode that's jury duty and the oh Michael Richards, Jeff Daniels movie, Trial <laughs> and Error. Um, I, got, I got another one, Major Pain and In the Army Now. I would love yeah, to do Major and Pain. And start with a special appearance by Sergeant Sergeant Bilko. Bilko. <laughs> Yeah. What a weird trend. <laughs> Let's I, put a pin <laughs> in Little Nikki and, and, and Adam Sandler for a second so we can move on to a movie that I actually watched for the first time with my dad. Is it another Peronto family oh, tradition? Oh, yeah. This this is like this is I mean this one's a little a little less like genetically engineered for my dad but I definitely saw me myself and Irene for the first time with my father. It's just so uncomfortable to watch these things with your dad when you're like pre-pubic like you know what I mean but he was a big Farley Brothers stan he took me to go see a bunch of Farley Brothers movies like against my mom's knowledge when I was little we saw Dumb and Dumber twice in the theater together Fuck so yeah my dad loves it so much like he just wanted to see it again and again and again hey! meet Charlie sweet natured fella sweetie 
That's kind of dangerous. You want to move it up onto the sidewalk, away from the traffic? You've been avoiding confrontation, but this guy inside... Hank. He doesn't. Meet Hank. Now he's a rough customer. What are you staring at, four eyes? You want to start me up? Just open the choke and pull the cord, pal. What is your problem? I got no beef with you. This is between me and the kid. Unfortunately, Hank is Charlie. I have to take a pill every six hours or I feel funny. What's it called? <sighs> Advanced delusionary schizophrenia with involuntary narcissistic rage. From those pesky Fairley brothers. Oh, it's on now. <laughs> the directors of There's Something About Mary. What the hell are you still doing here? You can't get rid of me, Hank. Hank! You're only hurting yourself! Jim Carrey. Let go, girl. On the greener pastures. Come on. Let go. Me, myself, and Irene. It's no surprise to me. I am my own me. Me, myself, and Irene is a film wherein the Fairley brothers try to recapture that something about Mary lightening a bottle by replacing a character with mental disabilities with one who suffers from multiple personality disorder and swapping out an aging horny grandma with three black teenage prodigies. Me, myself, and Irene seems to be a fable me meditating on how a treaded on white man, Charlie, played by Jim Carrey, needs to embrace his inner Michael Douglas all the falling down by releasing his male rage. After a series of personal pitfalls, including his high school sweetheart cucking him with a little person limo driver and then um, abandoning poor Charlie and their three teenage triplets, Charlie finds himself on the brink of a nervous breakdown as the entire town he lives in and helps police takes a literal shit on his yard. <laughs> Dude, this is plot, man. Charlie reaches his literal boiling point when a townie cuts in front of him in a grocery store line and his latent id-driven secondary personality, Hank, rears his head and temporarily hijacks Charlie's life. Luckily, Charlie's mental health crossroads coincides with the arrival of Irene, played by Renee Zellweger, a down-on-her-luck hottie traveling through Charlie's rural Rhode Island town whose ex is a murderous mobster with ties to law enforcement. Assigned to escort Irene back to New York via his motorcycle, Charlie misplaces his meds that keep Hank at bay and the three personalities have to escape both the criminal syndicate after Irene and Charlie's dark side. That's the straightest premise that I could do with that movie. Like I texted Mac yesterday. I was like, I feel like writing down or just explaining the premise of me, myself, and Irene is a cancelable offense. Just saying what it is. That's always been a thing about this movie that like my history with this movie is that I really, I was a Fairly Brothers fan when I was a kid. I really liked I was it when it came out. I was a stan. I was a stan. I hadn't seen it since it came out and it was one of those things where the plot of it has always been like, it's always one of those things where you're like, why the fuck is it like a convoluted mob like cover up plot? Wait. Like, why? I barely yeah. understand so much of her entire storyline. And it's all played very straight. Yeah. Well, it also yes. it also is a 47% on RottenTomatoes.com. I guess because this is the kind of movie that, like, like you said, it plays it straight and it's like presented fairly like traditionally and like it has mm -hmm. like the feeling of a competently made movie like it does like little Nikki is like such a fucking like you can tell it's just a bunch of dudes partying on set and having a great time together I mean myself and Irene I guess feels more like a quote unquote it's a, it more of a movie I guess you can tell that the, one of these guys went on to make Green Book 
<laughs> I was going to say it's so funny because I, you can kind of tell that Green Book is like starting to gurgle up. I told Mahershala um, to watch me, myself, and Irene to watch the three black sons, instant respect. Okay. He said, you can make green book. There's a quote that I think Peter fairly had from around that time where he said like, we're not the Cohen brothers. We don't want people analyzing our work. We like it that way. And I think it was like from around this period. And it's like, oh man, they had no idea. I mean, idea. yeah. If you stick a chicken up a guy's ass, you kind of have to like say that in a press release. Like, listen, I also um, think this movie may be like the critical consensus on it. Like, Having to live up to there's something about Mary, which is the this is the follow up to that's like a hard act to follow. That movie was like that was that yeah. movie was a moment in our culture. It's it also out. just it like a huge. perfectly like something about Ma Mary, even though it again has some like cancelable things in it now. It's like this like amazing balancing act where suddenly like it is sweet it does work everyone's good i think that's the trick of these movies courtney i think you just hit on something which is like dumb and dumber and kingpin are like weirdly missing oh my dad loves kingpin kingpin's, kingpin's probably pretty not, fucking amazing but but the balancing act which is what you just said of the sweetness and that kind of like earnest sentiment that basically all their movies have that you know when you get into mm -hmm. something like shallow how it tips the scale oh, yeah. with just like the filthiest most depraved set piece is that in this movie in particular I was watching it and I again I hadn't seen it in probably literally close to 20, 20 years. years and I just was like Jesus this movie is sour and like weirdly all over the place I think I like Shallow How more than this movie I can't stand Shallow I haven't Hal, seen Shallow How I, I, also, in, I haven't seen I bet it, it would be out. more worth revisiting in the sense I think you could like pilfer some fun things out of it because it is about the way that women are seen where like I don't really know I don't think this movie is saying anything and I, I just think that it is like I like Renee Zellweger I think it is like a role she like barely has a part even though she's a second lead like I don't really understand her. I just recently watched Down With Love for the first time which is oh, like from yeah. A, yeah it's from around that period and I thought I was like man she's so good in this it feels mm -hmm. so tailored to her gifts and yeah like always in, in me myself and Irene I, I see her and through no fault of her own it's just like what do you do with a part like that watching it again now like I literally did not laugh once watching this movie until yep. the last 10 seconds. Okay. It's not very funny. Memory, it's just really It's bad. not even a dark, like a lot of websites like describe this as a dark comedy. Like I just it's think it's dark not when you really parse good. it. Like, a, like yeah, when you really get into it, it's dark. Yeah, but I don't think it's like intentionally trying to be a dark comedy in I don't think the way it knows that like the Coen brothers is. do no. try to be dark. No. It just yeah. seems like shitty. My only memory of this movie, and I've carried it for 20 years, the only thing that I remembered of this movie was like that scene. It's so despicable too, is when, when Irene thinks that she's fucking, she's like going to bed with Charlie, the nice personality. Oh, dude, but then yeah. she realizes the next day that she fucked the evil one, Hank, who's not maybe like evil, but, but then when Charlie wakes up, he's like, why am I peeing? Like I had sex all night. Like, because I was a, like a full capital V virgin, like maybe not even been finger banged when I watched this movie for the first time, I had no idea that was a thing. And I just still have so many questions about that. That to me seems like such an in joke where like, I just don't get, I still don't get it. I've never, I've never someone... woken up so disoriented with an erection that I didn't notice. So that I started pissing all over a wall. Like, I don't think I've ever been that. But the line up. is like, <laughs> 
Irene, why am I peeing like I was up all night having sex? Yeah, as, as if that's like an understood thing that like after you have sex, you pee yeah. on the wall. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like blue balls or like your dick shrivels when it gets wet yeah, or whatever. It does. It's one of those things that's like supposed I'm... to be understood, but it okay, doesn't so land. okay, that that's no, what I was. Yeah. That's what I've been. Like, this I don't is, know what it means. This is all I've wanted to ask you guys. I feel like the first like, thing do you I pee would on think... a wall after you have no, no. I the first the, <laughs> I feel like the first thing I would think if I woke up from that and I was him is I, I would really probably wonder like why is my asshole gaping right now that would be my first question if i woke up and (laughs) just my urinary stream hit the wall to the side of me i would faint from panic i would fucking (laughs) pass out some guy having a heart attack there's so much in that in that that is the the most memorable sequence there's so much in that portion of the movie that's so fucking well, just gross and unpleasant. Yeah, let's let's start at the beginning of this. So basically, it starts with this guy. Like the whole thing is, yeah, like you said, I'm Courtney, sorry, I didn't he even... does look like uh, Michael Douglas and falling down, like the haircut. Yeah, he that's, does have that's the. True. Yeah, he has the military uh, the jar head cut for sure. He looks like the neighbor in a serious man who says, "Is this guy bothering mm-hmm. you?" Well, apparently, this whole thing was built around the title first. They thought of the title and then they kind of built oh. it from there, which makes a lot of sense. And yeah, sure, they're coming off like the biggest hit of their careers. And like, how do you follow that up? And it seems like they kind of just tried to play into like, well, what's another like gimmicky premise? I think they also wanted to like up the ante of how gross they could be. I guess, yeah. but I, I mean, I don't even really necessarily like this movie's like attempts to be gross, like just kind of fall flat. Like it's, totally. I think it's more just like a really dark movie that doesn't know that it's that dark. Yep. Even the sequence with the cow. I was going to say the cow that's the, one that whole, I literally wrote down, why is this happening right now? It, well, it feels it like long. the scene, it feels like the scene in something about Mary where they electrocute the, the dog. dog. Yeah. Oh, Which is right. like that. I used to think that scene was funny. I don't know if I would think that now, but yeah, watching that the scene, with the, work for me the scene with the cow now goes on for like it goes on forever, and he shoots that cow like fifteen times. Yeah, like by the time he's got him in a chokehold and he's asphyxiating him, I'm like, okay. And that's I think some of that kind of crystallizes what for me doesn't work about Jim Carrey's performance, which is like it's not for lack of skill. Obviously, the dude is extremely talented. It's like mugging to a degree where like no one tells you when to stop, and right. directors just like it's like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. It's like Joaquin. Phoenix Phoenix is brilliant, but someone needs to rein him in. Someone needs to push back a little bit. I think that he's doing what they tell him to do. Yeah, also, I don't like, Now that we're talking about yeah. Batman, I do want to tell you guys that one of my notes on this movie is like, why when Jim Carrey turns into Hank, does he just start talking like Christian Bale's Batman? I said Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like Clint Eastwood was probably his like... Yeah, you're I, right. I, I, I don't mind that because I think Clint Eastwood like, fuck it, yeah. Like if you're going to do a split personality where yeah. it's like this tough guy comes out, like I think it's kind of funny to make it a choice to be like, I'll just talk like Clint Eastwood because that's the ideal like macho... Yeah, it's like, but it's a a a decision that miscalibrates. I think some of what happens later because I think that Hank's like a creep and if he was um, like a charming funny character to spend time with the but movie. you can't like him more than you like Charlie. Right. But I don't even really like Charlie away. so it doesn't really matter. I'd rather just have somebody yeah who's like well, I don't know Hank, a charming scumbag. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. charming. Hank sucks on a pregnant sorry Hank sucks <laughs> on a like, uh, Wait hold Max, on I want to run down a list actually, of so yeah, the first yeah. time Give that me, Hank, Give it to me, Max. The first time that Hank's, the first Presents. time that Hank reveals himself in what seems like the course of twenty minutes, this man. <laughs> 
as a police officer, humiliates a woman in a supermarket because she's buying Vagiclean and basically tells her she has a disgusting pussy in front of her children. And then he drowns a child and then he tells a man his son is gay. And then he yeah, he tells a man whose son just got into like the school play. He says, well, I guess your son does like sucking cock. And then he assaults a woman in public by sucking on her titty, uh, pretending to be her baby. She's breastfeeding. And then he moves the baby and sucks the titty himself. One of the most disturbing shots in cinema. Yeah. He really, sucked, he really sucked her titty. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. Like, Apparently, I mean, he, is, he is Jim Carrey. It says in the breastfeeding process. scene, Jim Carrey sucked on Shannon Worry's real breast, which had milk in them. He was so humiliated that he had to clear the set as well as apologize to her before each take. I mean, if you have to apologize before a woman before sucking her titty each time, you probably shouldn't suck her titty for real. Also, like, is, is the joke worth it at that point? It's not also, it's just it's a close up of him sucking a titty. It could have just like, been it a could have been titty. a prosthetic. Yeah. It's so gross. And then he drives a man's car through a barber shop and then he shits on his neighbor's lawn that's all like basically like the first time his split personality comes out i don't mind him shitting on the neighbor's lawn because if that was my neighbor and split personality i'd probably go shit on his lawn it's like the least horrible thing he does yeah yeah it's no, the most sure. understandable thing that he does honestly the next most understandable thing that he does is probably drowning the kid which is a crazy oh. thing to say i don't know some little girl was just talking shit to me my split personality come out i don't know i might drown her i mean depending on how long you drown a child for i think that versus just telling a man that his son likes cock. I mean, that's, I don't know. <laughs> I think I rather humiliate not... someone over the loudspeaker. So I guess like we're, we're all, <laughs> we all have our different choice. We all but have no one wants to suck a, a breastfeeding. No one wants to suck this woman's kid, titty. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't want to drown a kid, but on no, the list No, don't lie. Things, you want to drown a kid. Listen, there's sometimes kids that need to be drowned a little bit. They, you don't want to kill them, but just you know, put their you head just, underwater for a second. Yeah, just let them fucking know that like, if this happens again, like, yeah, so he does but all I this. I do think and that then, like the line cutting thing is the one, I do yeah, not like this movie, but like, off. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, like, I also feel like it was like the most warranted because I feel like I get cut in front of all the time because I'm like a small single person. And I feel like people legitimately like, can't see me at meat counters and can't see me sometimes. Or, or like, I don't know if this happens to you guys because you're like men when, I go to the specific fancy grocery store in town. I do not know what's wrong with boomers, but I've had four boomers in the past year come up to me in line and just be like, oh, are you in? They're just like being like, can I cut in front of you? So I think Rachel that, like, Maddow's that, on in five. that one, I was like, I mean, all the jokes that he says are like not funny. Yeah, that's all. the thing is like him humiliating the woman is one thing, but like the jokes are just don't. Read. Also, what does he do if she doesn't have Vagiclean? Is he going to yeah. humiliate her for buying tomatoes or some shit? Like, he's lucky. Yeah, they had to give her something like that. They to, had to yeah, give her something whatever. embarrassing. But the whole thing, too, is that, like, this whole thing is predicated on, like, his... It's because he never really processed his wife cucking him with a... a, a basically, member. a rocket science black little person limo a bl- driver. A black person There's no way... I don't know how to say this without probably saying the wrong that's, fucking okay, thing. So, so that that's, part in writing yeah. script was when I was like, I can't write. So I just left out his race. Because I do feel like... He's played by Tony Cox from Bad Santa. And listen, he's funny, but yeah, the whole thing is that like... He's um, super funny. I just don't like the way I think both those movies treat him, you know? Of course, yeah. yeah, But like, I think that's another thing that's like just such a product of the time, like the 90s and 2000s, like obsession with not only gay panic humor, but the idea of like a black man. Oh, little people funny, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then it was just like, oh, here's a little person. Also that there was something about the idea that this guy and his kids are like smart and that's supposed to be funny. And it's like, well, that's not a joke. Once again, it kind of ties into last week, like this idea of like either it's like the reverse thing. Yeah, like old white people singing to rap songs but it's like it's what also, if these three black kids were rocket scientists but they yeah, also right. like said fuck in every line like that's it's the also whole joke. the reverse the jerk 
And I think that that is where maybe that, like, I wonder if that's where it came I've from. I've never like seen The Jerk. Oh, really? I think, so, like, I think the, the Jerk, jerk is, is one of the Steve funniest Martin. movies ever made. I would Me say too. One of my, it's Do one I want to watch it? Do I want to revisit it again? Like in 2021? No, I'm oh, going to wait so a few dated. years. It's, it's so dated. dated. But no, Max, you should watch it. It's really funny. I'd rather um, watch Sergeant. But like, like the joke of that is that Steve Martin's character is raised by black people. And that's why he's like so good at music. Yeah, saying that out loud doesn't feel good anymore either. But it was like a very influential movie, I think. <laughs> Like in general, he also thinks he's black for like the first. He thinks he's black for a long time, and like his his black family has to break it to him that he's white, and then he goes off on his own. But it does feel to me, Nick, do you do you see that at all? That it feels like almost the inversion of the jerk joke. I do see the comparison. I see where you're coming from. I think the difference to me is that the jerk is such a perfect synthesis because I'm a huge fan of like vintage Steve Martin, like early early Steve Martin. It's I watched per- all of Only Murders in the Building. I'm a huge. I liked. Fan of I liked. Martin. Me too. I, like I liked it. Only Murders in the I like Building. It. Yeah. So it's a perfect synthesis of him and Carl Reiner, who's a genius. Yeah. This is like, you know, no again, no disrespect to the Fairleys and Jim Carrey, but they had lightning in a bottle with Dumb and Dumber. And no they disrespect, were pro- we still stand. They probably were thinking that, I mean, I remember in the press, they were like, this movie's our funniest movie yet. This movie's going to make something about Mary, like, you know, it's going to bury it. Sure. And yeah, I mean, it's anytime someone's promoting their movie in that way, it's probably not going to you see up. this guy get fucked by a dildo. Wait till right. you see the chicken go well, okay, well I would say that the difference is, and I don't think that like one is better than the other. Like, I think that this movie, when it comes to its um, relationship with blackness is doing the thing that Max talks about is like making, making white people rap a little bit. Like it's being like, right. ha, ha, ha. but I think that like what the jerk does that you could argue is more insidious, even though I do love the jerk is that it's almost doing like not black fishing, but it's doing that. Like, oh, my proximity to blackness makes me realer and it legitimizes me as a person, which I think is actually icky. But I think this, but I think that like The Jerk is a better movie. It's a more funny movie, but I I don't think that one is better than another, like on paper. I think that this just isn't as funny. I think the one thing I would say to counter that is maybe that like The Jerk is really like, it takes on the like, it's like an odyssey thing where he meets a different, he meets different characters and he learns lessons from them and he moves on. And I would say that like, there are things in like, I always think of that segment in The Jerk where he's like working for Jackie Mason's character. And I Mm -hmm. think there are like other, refractions of stereotypes in that movie. It's not to say that the stuff that you're referring to isn't insidious. I would just say like, it's probably one of those things where like back in the day, people used to be like, well, it's an equal opportunity offender. Like everybody gets hit a little bit. Hey, give me the police camera, man. So we find out what the fuck's going on. All right. Hey, look, you you might not have fly this damn thing. Motherfucker, it can't be that hard. It's just lift versus drag and rotation. Oh, yeah, man, get your head out your ass. Man, it ain't that, man. This damn manual was written in German, you asshole. Oh, motherfucker, you speak German, don't you? Motherfucker, I can speak it. I ain't say I can read this shit all that good. You some motherfucking disgrace. Second C, the Hurtenen, und, the Sterenzi, the Verscheissen, the Rotterstruck. Give off. Leusenzi, the Gottverdammten, Unverschelte. Give off. Well, then get this motherfucker oh, off the right. ground. Nick, is your favorite Fairly Brothers movie Dumb and Dumber? It's Dumb and Dumber, although the older I get, I fucking love Kingpin. Okay. I think, King, I think Kingpin's something about Mary. I think Dumb and, those three Dumb and Dumber great. is kind of like a perfect comedy. Like Dumb and Dumber's one Dumb of those Dumber's movies. Dumb Dumber's a really good script. Dumb and Dumber's, to me, one of those movies that every line is funny. Yeah. It's like smart, dumb, and the perfect ratio. Yeah, something about Mary to me is like, it starts this trend with them where like, I really think something about Mary is like, five or six just incredible set pieces strung together to make a movie and like really good acting that's when their movies really start to hinge on the set pieces mm-hmm. i mean i think that the, at least there's something about mary seems to have an understanding that like every single man in that movie is completely unhinged yes. in some way oh, and for psychotic sure yeah. and, like, and mary's so good 
Yeah, like She's it great. seems to have an understanding of that. And Cameron Diaz is great in it. Matt Dillon's great. Like, everyone's really fucking good in it. Something about Mary's funny. That's the difference. Like me, and myself, also, and Irene is not funny. Nothing in me, myself, and Irene that even like approaches that. It feels no. like much more of like a shotgun approach where it's like we're just gonna try. We're gonna throw a bunch of shit at the wall. And also, like, there's so much plot on the side too about like Renee Zellweger's backstory with like this like. But mob she doesn't have boss. a real story. But she, she, she does have a backstory, but she doesn't have a character. And I think no, she doesn't like, have a character. Right. That's She's, what's yeah. so frustrating. It's like Mary is a full person like one of my favorite scenes is so little in something about mary because it could have been in just like a generic romantic comedy or like a more conventional romantic comedy where ben stiller and her go out on a date and he's like well i'm gonna quit when i'm ahead and she's like you're not that far ahead <laughs> i think that i think that like her delivery of that line and just like the intent of that line in general is like so bottomlessly like sweet and it understands that that woman is super special and it feels like they just did not in any way feel like they needed to give renee zellweger a back story in general and then in fact we realize like she has a scene that's sort of like to bring up another cancel person that scene in Annie Hall when Alvin is like reading his wife or his future wife where he's like let me guess like you grew up at Upper West Side this kind of Jewish girl da 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 like he has that scene with her Hank has that scene with Renee Zellweger and she's like no actually you're wrong actually like I'm a I'm like a research person and I'm a successful person and then we get we have to realize later in the movie that she's lying and she was all the things that he said that she was and I'm like why does this need to be here why does she have to be like I Actually, am an anorexic right. ex model <laughs> my tits are fake both movies kind of employ like a weird screwball model where like something yes. about Mary is a glamorous beautiful woman fending off unworthy suitors and this movie I was trying to think of it like a golden age of Hollywood analogy but I couldn't come up with one but it's like the same thing of like a man escorting a woman somewhere under like you know pretty it's basically yeah it's like midnight run with a fucking mentally ill man mm -hmm. and an underdeveloped woman sparks yep. fly <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and we, we're not we haven't even mentioned yet the albino stereotype whitey whitey god. yeah he apparently like, my dad loves he, whitey he disowned this movie because he thought that it was really mean-spirited towards albino it's, people it's so mean towards albino people that's the thing is i think like i haven't seen there's something about mary in years but i do think that is an authentically very sweet movie this movie is mean and it's trying to be sweet like the ending of this movie of me myself the ending of this movie is darker than anything else that's come before it. He also like uses his power to roadblock this woman, feel her up, and then ask her to marry him. I will say, after that entire almost two hours of watching that movie, the only thing that made me laugh, and I hate to say it, is the sign that says, will you marry me, bitch? That's that is funny. That was the only thing that made me laugh, and that was literally the it last shot of the movie. But Will You Marry Me, Bitch is pretty fucking funny. It is still funny, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's how you know it is funny, because, like, the movie wears you down, and that, that one got me, too. I think it's- I think I laughed at Richard- <laughs> I think I laughed, there's this, that scene where Charlie's showing his kids, like, Richard Pryor stand-up. And stand again, up. I think that's very similar to, like, the jerk and him, like, learning how to play music. But I was just- But it's like also just because Richard their... Pryor is funny. Right, yeah. that's more what I- That's <laughs> more what I mean, stand-up in another That's more what I was saying, like, at that point you're like 15 20 minutes into the movie and i was like oh this is gonna be rough and then you see richard pryor and i was like oh yeah he's a funny person he's it's, one of the funniest yeah it's played so like obviously and it's so it's such like this like white guy idea of like oh what if this fucking lame white dude has three like foul mouth black sons that he raised I, I don't like i think actually like the three actors who play the black sons including anthony anderson they're all good they're, they're all good yeah. and like them yeah. and jim carrey like i was like you know what in the right hands like this could have been a funny dynamic like this could have worked in some way but like all the times where he has 
to use AAVE with them, I was like, my soul was leaving my body. Every it's time because the funnier it. movie would just be about the sons because like they're the low key heroes too. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. They, they're they're, they're the ones who stick a chicken, the, the what we keep talking oh, about. Yeah. They stick a chicken up a cop's ass. They um, speak fluent German. They speak fluent German. They're all good. Carrie's all good. It's really like, it's a failure of the material to meet their talent. In my opinion. Why is one of the sons named Lee Harvey? Because they probably thought that was funny. Honestly, because there's that, we haven't mentioned this, but there's like a very folksy, omniscient voiceover that goes at in and out of this movie. It's probably because they thought it was funny. They were like, what if the narrator says one of his sons is named Lee Harvey? Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, I don't, is this like a, the man who was framed to kill JF? I don't understand. Like, what are we saying here? What is the joke? <laughs> I think that the joke, I don't know what the real joke it's is. It's that they have I, like two cliche black names yes. and then Lee Harvey. The, yeah, yes, I guess so. that's that's the joke. One of these people does have an Oscar. Yeah, Peter Fairley and uh, Todd Phillips both go on to become Oscar nominees. Peter Fairley becomes an Oscar winner. Nick, I don't know if you caught up, like, did you watch White Chicks last week? Are you watching all of our movies along with us? I watched White Chicks not too long ago. Okay, it's I so much better than this movie. It's so much, it's first of all, way better than I remember. I think when it, I came out, I was like, oh, I bought into the kind of popular opinion of like, oh, this is a disaster. Yeah, yeah we were saying last week, like, I think that we were just slightly too old and also probably just given like our stance on like, just being like, we're cinephiles. Like, I mean, yeah. like also <laughs> the, the you know, that movie, the whole uh, subplot with Terry Crews is like incredibly dark, but I think the Waynes brothers yeah. know how dark it is. And Terry Crews is committing to that part with such gusto. Like this is yeah. a movie that I think thinks it has a heart of gold and it has a heart of shit. Yeah, that's what I was like yeah. going to try to, yeah, Matt, is it like I, I think that this movie is actually cruel. this movie thinks it's I don't, champagne do you think but this one's shit. evil I don't I don't know if this one's exactly evil in the way no I don't think this is an evil movie I think it's just a completely tone-deaf lazy movie yes okay at, at a certain point I was like honestly I'd rather this just be like extremely offensive but funny at least but like I was just like this is just kind of like lame it just feels like two white dudes trying to like be edgy but also sweet and still playing into their weird like fetishization of mentally challenged people like, that is the thing that is going to be interesting to, to discuss in juxtaposition with Sandler because Sandler's the sweetness of his body of work comedically speaking is what you know redeems it for some people even when the sweetness kind of tips into like being saccharine it's still like I believe that it's for a guy who's worth as much as he is I believe it's as earnest as he can make it whereas this movie it just feels completely insincere I don't know with the Fairley brothers it just felt increasingly more and more like these guys are they they I feel like they almost like use the mentally handicapped and like people that are like they look at them as like being quirky and right, like right. they uh, I don't know the way that they kind of like trot them out on screen for laughs but then try to kind of make up for it by being like yeah but we really like them and like we're really like not that mean you want to have your cake and eat it too almost where you want to yeah. get a laugh off somebody but then you're like but actually this is a really special person and it again yeah. that's why it feels they are they really are just like the Matt Dillon character and there's something about Mary the other um, thing is that I think that the Farrelly's have a run. Their first three movies are really, really good. And I don't know about you guys, but pretty much everything after this is bad for me. Or no, I, I did see Say It Isn't So. That's, that did, was not directed by them. I know, they wrote oh. it though. And it's like basically like- It feels like one Farrelly of Brothers movies. fan fiction. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, It's yeah. horrible from what it's really What bad. is Say It Isn't So? It's an incest comedy with Chris Klein and Heather Pardon Graham. Me? Yeah. Yeah. 
they find out that they're yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the big growth one of the big gross out gags in the movie is Chris Pine gets oh, it his takes ear cut Oregon. off. Richard Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken, is in a wheelchair and is like extremely horny. It's a terrible that movie. makes sense. Yeah, Orlando Jones is in it. Orlando Jones eats an ounce oh, of shit. weed. Oh shit, I think movie. I've seen Stuck on You. <laughs> Stuck on some you, people honestly, ride for stuck on you. Stuck I on think you, stuck on you and shallow hell might be the ones that I would want to come back. Stuck to. on you is the one that comes the closest to being okay, and it's not funny, but it is pretty good natured. It's one of those movies where you're like, it's not funny. Yeah, that in shallow hell was them just doing like PG thirteen kind of like light. And then there's Osmosis Jones. Oh yeah, some people like that Wait, too. What's I remember Osmosis Jones? it's an animated movie. It's an animated movie where I think Chris Rock plays like a blood cell inside a man's body as he's like shitting Isn't it and Bill Murray's body? It's Bill Murray. Wait, yeah. what? So the movie cuts between these insane animated sequences with Chris Rock voicing like a, an amoeba or a blood cell who's like a cool guy with a jacket and glasses. And then- a cool guy with a jacket and glasses. Oh, but this guy's Whoa. sick, right? And then there's these live, <laughs> these live action sequences of Bill Murray having like the kind of traditional Fairly Brothers like bubble gut problems. And then they remade Some the doctor, Three this Stooges. guy's got the bubble guts. They, they made a Three Stooges movie. They remade The Heartbreak Kid. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. You know what? The Heartbreak Kid is their worst movie. No, because the Dumb, it, like, the Dumb and Dumber's the, oh, the Dumb and seen, Dumber sequel is worse. I haven't seen that one. But the, but the Heartbreak, Heartbreak Kids, the Heartbreak Kids, shit on something great. The Heartbreak so. Kid is unwatchable. It does, and it if it were anybody else, it would be their worst movie. But the fact that they made Dumb and Dumber Two right. spelled Dumb and Dumber T O and tarnished the legacy of their best movie is like unforgivable. Yeah, if Dumb and Dumber when Harry met Lloyd is better than your sequel, then you know you're in trouble. It prob it probably is, honestly. I do want to give a shout out to the cinematographer of this movie, who was like a go-to guy for them, Mark Irwin. This guy's filmography is fucking wild. He starts off in the 80s doing like Cronenberg movies. He does Videodrome. He did the Dead Zone. He did the Blob oh. remake that I just saw so he does all these kind of like sci-fi movies he's working with like these really rad sci-fi directors and then in the 90s he kind of alternates between being Wes Craven's guy he does Scream which is a fucking really well shot movie yeah and then New Nightmare and then he's also doing Dumb and Dumber and then he pretty he does Kingpin something about Mary and then he ends up shooting like so many of the movies that we're going to talk about in the series like this guy fucking shot for real yeah this guy shot Road Trip Me Myself and Irene Say It Isn't So Freddie Got Fingered American Pie 2, Old School, Malibu's Most Wanted, The Ringer, which is another one we could have talked about. The, Oof, Ringer. the Ringer. That's the one where Johnny Knoxville pretends oh, to be I mentally challenged. Yes. To get uh, into the Special Olympics. Yes. Right, right. Big Mama's House, Grandma's <laughs> Boy. Like this guy was like, this guy he, was the goat of 2000s comedy. He shaped, he shaped the visual language of 2000s <laughs> He really oh, did. It I seems also, like. I do want to talk about, I also think like something that makes this movie like really jarring and like, again, what makes, in my opinion, something about Mary the best is like something about Mary is like scored largely by Jonathan Richmond. And yes. it feels like, seam I don't want to say seamless because you like see the seams, but it's right. like an incredible touch. Something that like, I have to remember all the time that these two buttholes thought of. And I'm like, oh fuck, it's still really good. Jonathan Richmond is also in Kingdom. Right. This movie, the score is like there is it's a point horrible. where the it's third Pete eye blind song is it Pete Yorn? If you play Pete Yorn did it's the Pete score. Yorn. Pete yeah. Yorn did yeah, the score. Oh, that's Pete weird. Yorn. I don't mind Pete Yorn either, but I Pete don't either. It's just so mismatched because like a bunch of the songs in here are sweet. Deep inside of you by Third Eye Blind the is use not of a that bad song. song. Is so Do you know bad. when the song it's comes so on? Weird. It comes it's on right after he's talking about his asshole hurting again, yeah. and then you hear him say "Deep inside of you," and I was like, Jesus Christ! There's a Wilco sign. 
song in here. The Fairly's um, Taste in yeah. Music is very like Wilco, Pete Yorn, like yeah. easy listening song. And Fold Five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm just reading the thing. You I'm love not cake. even being smart. Yeah, yeah. Food like, dude, there, there, there is a. FTC. Oh, there is. A, did you hear? There is a use of Goldfinger, the ska yeah, band in, yeah. in Kingpin. This, I think Goldfinger is also in a, it's in another one of their movies. The Dumb and Dumber soundtrack I remember having as a kid on cassette. And then. It at least matches. Like, this doesn't match, like, the tone of the movie like i think that they use that pete yorn song because it's called strange condition and he has like a mental <laughs> he just saw the title of personality. it the song's tone is like wildly different the, no, like, it's, it, it's they horrible. just should have like gone the with ending... it and just it should have been all smash mouth and offspring the well the foo fighters wrote that one song because i remember there was the music video tie-in for it the fucking the ending credits played out while i was like finishing up some notes and like cleaning up before we recorded so i listened to every song on the fucking ending credits there was the most cursed smash mouth cover song in the credits it's so fucked and then it's followed by the offspring it's a fucking nightmare ending credit sequence what is the Uh, what is the smash mouth cover do it again oh it's a cover of steely dan it's a cover of steely dan by Smash Mouth. Yeah. Smash Mouth and the Offspring, two bands that I really tried to get into as a kid because my friends liked them and I yeah. never could do it. Another reason why this is confusing is like the whole premise where like he has to transport her back. It's also like her character doesn't even know that this dude that she used to be fucking is involved with them. Like she's actually right. like, she doesn't know what's going on at all. Like her character does, doesn't even have like the agency of knowledge. Like I, I it's, it's like the dumbest fucking premise ever. Just have her have action. Like honestly, at this point, at this point, Gili's like almost a better movie. Because Gigli does, and this would have been a does really have a interesting Gigli double vibe. feature now that I'm thinking about yeah. it. Wow. But, but at least have her have like some sort of like, she has no idea that the person that she was fucking like, just have her be an actual like accomplice or something and have her like want right. to have like gotten out. Why doesn't she get that? Like, why do we spend all this time trying to make Renee Zellweger's character almost like benignly likable? Whereas like Charlie sucks. Like Charlie and Hank both fuck. Charlie and Hank And the moral of the movie is like, you poor white man, you should embrace your inner, um, I want to scream at you and let it out just a little bit all the time. You should just drip out your male toxicity all the time, just a little bit. So so you don't like accidentally like kill someone. That's one of the sinister things about the movie is like, I think it wants us to like cheer when Hank comes out. Yes, it does. This movie is like the antidote to like what women want. <laughs> but honestly, what women want is, I mean, shit, I, I remember it being good. It is I, good. I think if you made a movie That's about what Mel did. That's the antidote. <laughs> I, no, no, I mean, not in terms of quality, but I mean, I, I, if you made a movie now today about what Mel Gibson thinks women are thinking right. about, I'm sure. If Mel Gibson, like what women want, even though I'm sure there are some dated things about it, like at the end of the day, it's being able to like have male insight, like a yeah. quiet male insight into the female brain, where this one is like literally like all that like goodness that you have been like trying to exude and all all the all the badness that you've been pressing down don't press so hard like let it out let it out like that's what got you cucked dude like <laughs> shove a kid's head in a fountain kill a bitch who gives a <laughs> suck, on, suck on a titty life is short take a shit suck on your a titty long. stick a dildo <laughs> up your oh ass God, come on peg yourself <laughs> <laughs> Let it out. Come on. <laughs> Fucking bitch. That's pretty much the moral of the story. Yeah. What if letting it out was good? Yeah. <laughs> Got you clean, huh? What's the matter, honey? A little extra cheese on the taco? Excuse me? No, excuse me. There's no tag on this. 
Press check on Vegiclean, aisle five. I repeat, press check on Vegiclean, aisle five. That's Vegiclean. We got a customer down here with a full-on fallopian fungus. She's baking a loaf of bread, and I think it's sourdough. 47%. Honestly, the reviews weren't even like that horrible. Roger Ebert said, me, myself, and Irene is a labored and sour comedy that rouses itself to create real humor and then settles back glumly into an impenetrable plot and characters who keep repeating the same shtick, hoping maybe this time it'll work. Anne Hornaday of the Baltimore Sun said, at some point, the foul language, lascivious sight gags, references to sex toys, violence against animals, and cruelty towards children simply ceases to be funny. We used to like seeing animals get shot in the head 15 times, but yeah. not anymore. Um, There's something about seeing a kid get dunked into a fountain and drowned that just doesn't hit like it used to. <laughs> Jay Hoberman of the Village Voice said, this is the first movie I've ever seen, porn included, in which a guy gets cold cocked with a dildo. Okay, Jay Hoberman. One positive review, a near A review from David Edelstein at Slate. He says, a disgusting piece of work. I still can't believe how much I loved it. This movie is disgusting. I can't believe how much I fucking loved it. Who the fuck is the MVP of me, myself, and Irene? I still think it's Jim Carrey. I think without him, the movie doesn't work. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to Jim Carrey. Yeah. I, I, even though I think that they make him do some despicable things. And you don't like, think it's Whitey? I absolutely don't think it's Whitey. I don't think Renee, Renee Zellweger has like the... And I will say, even though he like has to do some gross things, like they did start dating after this movie or during this movie. They did, yeah. So I will say like, maybe he's a good enough guy to like make her feel safe. There's that one scene where... <laughs> another scene that I chuckled at slightly is like when she falls down and then he like <laughs> catches her by her boobs. I was like okay like i don't hate that like i kind of think that's funny if whitey had actually been a serial killer if they had like stuck to that yeah he might be the mvp but that was such a cop out i forgot that it's like a thing where he's like yeah i'm not i didn't actually kill my family with a hammer but no i think it's still jim carrey yeah i'm gonna say jim carrey it's jim carrey or the chicken in the cop's ass maybe i don't know (laughs) we should definitely start sticking more chickens up cop's ass is that something that we should have seen more of last summer during the protests (laughs) that we did not that is like a lesson we can take take from this movie if there is a yeah. lesson to I take think from it i'm gonna go ahead and say this is a fucking worse offender haven't given out that one in a while but i, I think, think it this is, is a worse offender i'm gonna go ahead and say it's a train wreck just because i think it is a very discordant movie i'm still with max though i think this is for a sure offender i can tell it is boring i wish it so was I a can... train wreck i think that's what it is it's like i it wish makes... it was more of a train wreck yeah it's like, kind of so just like, like it boring. to me really. Like when I was a kid, the first things I loved in movies were fucking Dick Tracy, Tim Burton, and Jim Carrey. Like those sure, are the things yeah. that I loved. I loved Jim Oh, he Carrey. was huge. I thought he was yeah. the fucking funniest person in the world. And like, I think the difference is that like when you look at like we're gonna talk about Sandler in a second, but when you look at those two guys, I feel like we have a pretty good idea of who Adam Sandler is as a human being on the basis of his movies. And Jim Carrey, there's a like hollowness to him as a human being yeah, that I'm agree. a little that I'm a little put off by, and it's masked by the fact that he's like an insanely brilliant and physically dexterous performer who can like expertly maneuver between comedy and drama but for better or worse someone like Adam Sandler has devoted their entire career to making a certain kind of movie and in the process revealing these tiny little things that tell you about who they are whereas Carrie he's like especially now in his whole phase of like painting Painting? Trump and yeah he's just this weird like he's a part of the resistance I mean dude after watching that documentary about him on Man of the Moon my opinion I did turn that off that was really hard to watch who do we think is the best dramatic actor out of Jim Carrey, Sandler, Robin Williams, 
Jack Black, all those guys. Oh, are you going to throw in Eddie Murphy? Just Eddie to... Murphy. I love Eddie Murphy so much. He's on my personal comedy Mount Rushmore. I don't think he's a good Me too. dramatic actor. He's not great as a dramatic actor. I love like, him in Dreamgirls, guys. I've never seen He's good in Dreamgirls. So I, I can't say. He's so. good in Dreamgirls, but like the Eddie Murphy movies that are like my desert. You're right. You're right. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to. His dramatic stuff is still like comedic. I feel like like I've never yeah. seen Eddie Murphy do like if they should have cast Eddie Murphy in the soloist. And the Honestly, Foster. I might say of the guys you mentioned, Robin Williams. Sam doesn't do it as much but when he does it i like it more i think sandler is weirdly the most interesting when he's dramatic i find because i think that especially the older he gets his face like i think he started off pretty handsome and then he got kind of like the thing that he makes fun of himself for like the egg-shaped head kind of look and then like now i feel like the way that he's aged i feel like he's really handsome again and he has a really interesting sandler looks like sandler looks like 40 percent of the kids i went to hebrew school with particularly when he was a young man because there's a certain fan for Sandler amongst like young Jewish men my yeah. age because we all went to Hebrew school and it was his CDs his first two comedy CDs yeah. and Billy Madison it was yeah. the, and, and Happy yeah. Gilmore it was those movies and those albums I think like for me like I would always like there was something so recognizable about him whereas like Robin Williams I never, I guess the reason I would pick him is because like, I never loved his stand-up comedy. I always right. preferred him. Actually, yeah, I did prefer him more dramatic. You know what I mean? I, like, But he's so fucking good in like the birdcage. So and, and somebody, yeah. oh, he's so good in the birdcage. And somebody like Jack Black is interesting because I almost feel like he applies the same skill set for dramatic and comedy stuff. Yeah, and I think the person that's like ascended where it's like, he's no longer, it's no longer a question as someone like Bill Murray, who I think oh, is yeah. like universally accepted as like the person that did it. They saw his sad and they were like, there's something They're there. Like, there's beyond. something there. But yeah. I think out of the ones that you're giving me, I'm going to pick Sandler because because of like what Max said earlier, that it, he's like kind of flexing the same muscle. But like when, I also think he lets himself get directed in a way that I, think I find he more needs, interesting. I think he entrusts himself yeah. into a director where like he's that. like, listen, like, I don't know what to do. So you got to, like, I trust exactly. you. Just tell me where, what like, you want I, me to I do. I think that Carrie comes at it with like a bombacity and like maybe so does Robin Williams and like someone like Jack Black and... Adam Sandler, Robin think, Williams like, is just listen. there's a humanism in him in all of his performances that I think was just it was contagious and I think I think Sandler's really good in his quiet moments I think when yeah. he's just kind of mm-hmm. silent there's something that's always happening he's really interior I think for me the reason I resist that and this is very pedantic is like one of the things that annoys me the most and I'm not you guys aren't saying this but it's a thing that like people who are like ostensible cinephiles will say well they're like well I only like Adam Sandler when he's in a Safdie brother movie or a Noah Baumbach movie or a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and it's like no dude like I mean I have so many feelings about Sandler I could speak yeah I mean I think that was like the critical stance for a really long time it's still the it's always been the critical stance and like in spite of the fact that like you can't tell me that like the wedding singer and blended are the same level of movie no of course and I think that even his comedic performances people would write him off in a way that they didn't write off Jim Carrey and Robin Williams where it's like even in like the wedding singer I'm like that's a great performance you know what it you know what it just like it's just great, that, that one is like predominantly a rom like it's more it's a rom-com yeah I like think all, the other ones are comedies with romantic to me like the words. wedding singer is like the philadelphia story of the night so like i get oh, wow uh, okay I, I i love that movie so much movie it's one of my favorite rom-coms if not my favorite it like gives me like a giddy feeling like i will yeah. literally watch it when i just want to feel good you even hear paul thomas anderson talk about that when he was editing magnolia he was like i would just want to watch a movie and feel that hit of dopamine and laugh and have 
have a like a happy ending handed to me. So yeah. I would put on Big Daddy or The Wedding Singer mm-hmm. or these movies that like were just like, I don't know, there's such a purity right. to those early movies that like. And, and then well, another pitch for Sandler for me before we like fully move on. And like, it's so <laughs> great that we're saying all these nice things about him because I don't know how many I will have left by the time we actually get into little Nick, Nikki Proper. Is it like another reason why I like him the best other than actors that you name is that like when he's acting amongst someone like Drew Barrymore, like he's he doesn't shy away from letting the other actors shine. No, not at all. And I definitely generous. think yeah. that Carrie, besides maybe Eternal Sunshine, where he just knows that he's outmatched, does like do that annoying thing. Like in Sandler, it's like Sandler makes other people better. He like lifts he other does. people up. He's yeah. very generous. Norm yeah. MacDonald, rest in peace, has a quote <laughs> about Sandler and Drew Barrymore in particular where he said and I'm paraphrasing but he said basically the reason they work perfectly together is when you think about it Sandler hasn't had another screen paramour screen partner who pops with him as much as Drew Barrymore does so he's in a bunch of things with Jennifer Aniston with Jennifer Aniston but it's right. not the same it's not but, the same it's not the same I but Norm's to, you know yeah, yeah but, but Norm's, you know that I know what I'm talking about <laughs> I never doubt that Gordon. but <laughs> Norm's quote is that they have the energy of like middle schoolers who really like each other and can't quite articulate it So they're like, it's very innocent. Yeah. You know, it's, they're sort of, and, and that's so pure. And as they get older, you can't capture that as much as you did with the first movie. But I don't know. I fucking love Adam Sandler. The critics are shouting. Little Nicky is the movie event of the holiday season. Sandler is the nicest son of the devil ever. <laughs> He's the god. In fact, it's his funniest film ever. Chicago. Does anybody really I love this song. Oh, Chicago is awesome. <laughs> Little Nicky, rated PG-13, starts Friday, November 10th. Sandler's follow-up to Big Daddy, which I think was really his, like, Wedding Singer did well, but Big Daddy was huge. So he follows it up. This is kind of a blank check movie for him in a way. A story of fatherhood, but this time we find Sandler in hell as Satan played by Harvey Keitel, as his lamest son, um, as an ode to King Lear. I I guess I didn't think about that. Uh, the film follows the trope of a patriarch at the impasse of uh, deciding which of their offspring they'll betroth yeah. his power to. After careful consideration, Satan realizes that none of his three sons, played by Cassius, rest in peace, oh, Tiny Mr. Jr. Tiny yeah, Mr. He yeah, died Debo. last year. Yep. Of what? I don't know. What did he oh. die? Yeah, I don't remember. Apparently uh, that part was written for him in Little Nicky. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah sons are Cassius, played by Tiny Lister Jr., Adrian, Riza Fons, or Nikki, played by Sandler, uh, to see if they have what it takes to rule hell. He ends up deciding to retain his reign on the underworld for another 10,000 years. This pisses off both Cassius and Adrian, and the two hell lords escape to Earth, where they wreak havoc on New York City as their father literally falls apart in Hades. His only hope is his dopiest son, Nikki, who follows his brothers to Earth, where he is accompanied by a talking bulldog voiced by Robert Smigel, an antisocial roommate, Alan Covert, a Parsons design student played by Patricia Arquette, and a couple of head-banging stoners. Now, Nikki must trick both Cassius and Adrian to drink from a mystical flask in order to send them both back to hell and save his father. But really, the film is an excuse to have Kevin Nealon have boobs on his head and other shit like that. Nealon and Sandler must be really tight, because that's pretty much the extent of Nealon's involvement in this movie, is he has to wear tits on his head and get fondled by a very horny... (laughs) 
we're gonna put tits on here. Yeah, those so tits, the, those tits look great too. Those oh are, those are some. No, I mean, I, like as far as like the actual prosthetics, they're they're good. Yeah. Tits. There's they also great. this running thing with Sandler because in terms of like he's famous for casting his kind of like his middly, boys, his boys, and like many of them are not at the same talent level he is. And I guess he like he'll keep going back to John Lovitz and just offering him like parts as like mouth breathing perverts and creeps, <laughs> which is the best way to cast. Um, I'm sorry, John Lovitz. John Lovitz is good in this, but we should say that Little Nicky will probably always live in the critical underworld and it has right now a 20% rotten Jesus. rating and I do not see anyone reviving that. I do not see anyone returning no, to little Nikki and, and scooping it up and saying like, you know what? <laughs> we got to get this thing higher. I think it's probably, yeah, one of his most, I think it's looked at as like a failure, I guess, for his standards. And I just, again, like when I was 12, when this movie came out, this was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. Like I, I really love this movie. I watched it all the time. You um, watched I, this all the time. I watched this all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, so did I. Uh, yeah. yeah, I watched Absolutely. this all the time. So this was still a hit amongst boys. Because this, to me, I... So looking back, I misremembered. I thought that Mr. Deeds came out before this, and then I gave up. But what... But it comes out afterwards. And I think, so I saw The Waterboy in theaters. I saw Big Daddy in theaters. Didn't really like Big Daddy that much. Uh-huh. And I did not come back for this wow. one. I did see The Wedding Singer. Okay. I'm not an asshole. I love The Wedding Singer. And sure. then I did come back to Mr. Deeds. But I think now, like looking back, I think I came to Mr. Deeds as a Winona fan. Right. Sure, I saw this movie much. in theaters. I was a massive, obviously, Sandler fan. And I went with a friend of mine who like lived on my street at the time. And his mom took us. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience but like we were both like laughing a lot but also like his mother was like visibly very annoyed that she had to sit through the movie right. so I would be there too. was there was a shame about it and on yes. the way home we were like you know doing that thing that you do where you're like recalling the things you laugh about yeah. it and his mother understandably is like <laughs> that movie is a crime on a front I think I felt this like shame about liking it and I was like an annoying kid who like read the LA Times calendar section so I was like I knew that the critical opinion was that it was Sandler's worst movie to date but it was a movie that like a lot of my friends we would just like watch it and like it was this kind of thing of like oh yeah Little Nicky is actually like it's like one of the stupidest movies ever made by an American studio but at the time I was like yeah this movie's fucking It's so funny yeah it's like he gets his biggest budget yet because Big Daddy is so successful and he's like yeah let's make a movie where I'm about the son of the devil yeah (laughs) I didn't realize that Little Nicky was like or sorry that Big Daddy was like a huge hit I knew the water boy the the water boy Apologies, the water boy was his first really big hit. That was yeah. that's what it was. That and that wedding singer, Big Daddy, were like the wedding the singer was a hit. The water boy was like a blockbuster. Yeah, same with the water, Big Daddy. Yeah, water boy and the Big Daddy were like he was on top of the world at that point. And yeah, this and is I what think, he chose to do. <laughs> and I think this shows, yeah, like this is the movie where he's like, okay, that didn't work. So he transitions into being, I think, increasingly like nicer characters yes. that have like an underbelly of darkness about them, but it's still, it's still. Like this character is Nikki is sweeter. His character in Mr. Deeds is kind of a sociopath. No, for sure. I, yeah. I mean, like he's sweeter, but I think it's him embracing the fact that like after this, he's like, okay, I'm not going to really do too many like weird things for a while. And he kind of does like, he plays it like safe for his standards. I he feel plays like. like schlubs. He does like anger management and, yeah. uh, and oh, anger management. I, do I don't remember as well, but I feel like that was one that was really I saw that in like especially teaming him up with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, like, it just like it got your dick so hard for something that could like never I like, think it just could never be. Roger Ebert it. reviewing it, my dick was so hard for this. I think there's something about little Nikki though that is revealing in terms of like 
Sandler has three monster hits in a row from The Wedding Singer to Big Daddy. He's probably at that point been afforded more creative control and freedom and power than he had ever had in his career. And like, this is what he chooses to make. I think that says something about his uh, creative disposition, you know? I mean, something that I will say that I really respect about Adam Sandler, going back to me, myself and Irene, is like this movie, like I think all of his big hits that we just named, maybe with the exception of like the first, the two little ones, like Billy Madison, and happy girl more like typically when there's a female lead it's like a it's like a, a great actress it's not like i don't know substantially younger than him or anything like that and like right. like he can really go toe to toe with like frieza balk in Waterboy helps to make that movie she's incredible she's great joey yeah. lauren adams is great in big daddy mm-hmm. winona Ryder isn't great in mr deeds that she is great like i think that he does have she does what she can she does what she can yeah. i think that he actually does come at movies with like being like if not fans of like these like kind of like really cool 90s female actresses and like yeah. you get Patricia Arquette here she's given nothing to do or I don't really understand her character I think it is the most shoehorned romance plot of a Sandler movie that I can think of off at the top of my like well I don't she know seems why. to be playing her character almost a little like stupid I think Naive, the idea like, is to make her like as a, special I don't even know if it's that I think the idea was just like this is probably the most aggressively weird character that Sandler has played into this point so you need a woman that would even like a character a female character a that would even someone who would even entertain the idea of like stopping to this dude and talking to him on the street much less like going right. to get ice cream with him and yeah. yeah she's yeah she's a weirdo right she's I a mean, weirdo yeah but that's the thing about this movie that i kind of like and the thing that i actually think makes it kind of like a low-key kind of good new york movie which is that everybody's a fucking weirdo and all this like it kind of it falls to me into a category of movies like the golden child with eddie Murphy and even like the Gremlins movies where you have like weird oh yeah no I mean I'm not even not in terms of quality but in terms of like a weird mixing of fantasy and comedy in an urban setting but Mm -hmm. like every it's New York so it's already fucking weird like the weirdness of New York is already like it's not too far removed from like what ends up happening which I guess the plot of the movie is that like Nikki's brothers escape hell and start wreaking havoc on earth which makes the state slogan of New York turn into I love hookers (laughs) (laughs) The mayor's office today, in conjunction with the New York Board of Tourism, unveiled its new motto to replace the long-standing I Love New York slogan, I Love Hookers, will now be the city's catchphrase. This is, I mean, this is so (laughs) stupid. It's so funny. Okay, I think that's like where this movie was frustrating for me is because like I actually do think the I Love Hooker joke is really funny and there's like other small funny jokes, but the movie is like surrounded with like such stupid middle school boy humor again. Like, oh, for sure. That it's really hard for me to be able to like <laughs> attach to it. I mean, one of the most grounding forces in the movie and I like, God, God bless him in general, unless he's a bad person then I guess not. But like Harvey Keitel is so fun as Satan. Uh, he just, like, really knows his place and that I really kept looking forward to whenever, because like we should also say that Nikki is so stupid that he just keeps getting killed by like trains and cars and very- so he doesn't in- understand with that. I'm also confused because in hell he doesn't know how to eat food but I'm like but he well, knows who Ozzy Osbourne is yeah I'm like wait a second what they is he eating he- in hell <laughs> they feed you heavy metal tunes dude. he doesn't know how to chew mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I had read that Sandler and Tim Hurley, who wrote the movie, their basic idea was to write the Harvey Keitel character. And I guess it was written for him, but to basically write him as like a Long Island Jewish dad who's like really proud of his family and like is about yeah. to retire and wants to keep his, you know, adult sons, you know, from uh, from falling into, I don't know, tedium or whatever. Well, but, do you know who turned the part down before him? No. no. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, I think mm-hmm. Keitel's the better. Tra- I like, think Ke- yeah. yeah. It's just like, I don't know. He adds some, I mean, not to say that Hoffman wouldn't class up the joint a little bit, but like Keitel classes it up like just the right amount because he is sort of a B-movie actor. He like fits. He's also warmer than Dustin Hoffman. He's like a, there's like a sweetness to him. Yeah, you're right. Dustin Hoffman's kind of cold. Yeah, they get to have their father-son relationship in Meyerwood stories and that's a lot, obviously, more interesting and and complicated. And even in that movie, Dustin Hoffman's playing a prick. He's playing like a narcissist. You know, this movie, Harvey Keitel, he's like, Nikki's making him mixtapes and stuff. It's like, it's adorable. And like, I always laugh when you see like these really great, like classically trained, like British actors that pop up in these movies, like kind of like the ones that pop up in like Your Highness, like Damien uh, Lewis, whatever. Like, I don't know, I when you watch this and you see like Risa Fons in this and I'm like, Risa Fons is such a fun actor. He's uh, he is fun. He's really fun. It seems like he's having a good time in this. Literally, this movie, it's like everybody pops up in it. Michael I, McKean. The yes. Tr- who's the church lady guy? Dana Carvey. Yeah, Dana, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey was injured <laughs> filming that scene. Really? I like yeah. Dana Carvey. He's like Dana a Car- Dana Carvey is first of all, hilarious. He was injured filming that scene and Sandler spent the night with him at the hospital. Aww. That's the thing too. Sandler's just is I like need, yeah, a teddy bear. He's a mensch. Yeah, he really is. And like, I, I need to know how he got Tarantino in this. Oh so, God. I don't know exactly what the overlap is there because Tarantino reaches out to Sandler to do Inglorious Bastards right. years later. But... Sandler is very close with Rodney Dangerfield, who is in this movie. And I guess Dangerfield was close with Tarantino. And there are stories about like, Tarantino okay. during his like heavy stoner years, like yeah. hanging out in like these crews of comedians, kind of when Dangerfield was like at the end of his stand-up career. So maybe right. there's a crossover there. But I also know that Tarantino's a big Sandler fan. Like he I know is. That he yes. and PTA have like a dialogue about like what their favorite early Sandler movie is. They both were courting him to do his first kind of dramatic role at the same time in PTA one because yeah, he wanted him for Inglorious Bastards, and then I think he wanted him for something else, and then PTA kind of swept in and I think they're a better fit those two together they, they yeah. both are operating on the same level there's a humanism in both of them and an underlying anger so uh, I, I still, I still I, laugh at Tarantino in this movie he's though. so fucking funny in this though I cannot see with these blind eyes I know the good lord still loves me he loves all of his children why he loves you That's and he loves you here he goes you make the Lord very nervous. All right. You be- I'm burning now. Take it easy. Help bar is burning me alive. He's burning. He's burning me. The beast is alive. He's among us to clear the street. The devil is here. Oh. I'm sorry. I can't think of a movie that we've done that's like more not in my lane than this one so i think that like that's i'm just like shocked to hear how much you guys like because i i this is the first time i'd ever seen it i saw it before i got dinner with my my friend that i go to dinner with on mondays and he was like clearly like why did you watch like it just like is in no way for me right at all and it was just like for me because i was like a stanler person like when i was little but i like wasn't in no way ever a stan i like when he does something serious if he was to like to make a big return to like comedy i would probably watch it if everyone loved it but this did just big feel return baby he 
never left. I know, I know, I know. He's on top this, of the world. This, He's got this, the this, Netflix this, money. Uh, have you heard of Hubie Halloween, Courtney? No, I haven't. <laughs> Yo, this, Hubie Halloween's a good time. Hubie Halloween is not okay. Hubie Halloween is not bad. But not this bad just all. does just feel like a food process version of like everything that I knew of him before. It just feels like it feels like Sandler pastiche, where you're just like, I'll take a little from this and a little from yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. And so I, it's like less insidious as like the Fairly brothers slash Carrie, because I think that they those two people are just a little meaner. Those parents are meaner anyway. Yeah. So like this, I will say is kind. It's homophobic on a lighter scale compared to the times, but true. I think it just feels like everybody's having a good time. There are those problematic attitudes throughout like early, I mean, all of 90s comedy and certainly throughout some of the early Sandler movies. And then Sandler makes uh, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which is oh. like a misguided, not well, but good then, movie. What does but name? it is his like weird attempt at apologizing for it. Like there's literally a scene in that movie where he stops and gives a speech and he's like, you know, I used to say this word and I don't say it anymore. Like, again, not a good movie, but I think in that way, like maybe his heart's in the right place. Who knows? Yeah. I understand the case. Doesn't Jim Carrey also do a a gay picture with I love you, Philip Morris. I love you, Philip Morris. That would be that would be. It's it's fresh. What? How is that movie? I remember not liking them. It's okay. It's It's kind of tonally all over the place, but like they're both very committed in it. But yeah, Courtney, you're right. This is a middle school boy movie. This is like the definition of middle school. I hadn't seen this in fucking 20 years. Like I hadn't seen it in so long. And I loved this when it came out. Like my friends and I all quoted it. We watched it. The Popeye's Chicken Line? No, no. There's a few lines. We would quote the Popeye's Chicken Line, and I went to Popeye's because of this movie. That's, I mean, I will say that is the product um, placement testament to this movie it was like i've heard people say that line and have not known what they mean for years for 20 years and i mean him saying it is one thing when the one demon says it towards the end it's it's definitely cringy i mean there's some shit but in at this the same just... time there's like it's like being mad at this movie or like being annoyed by it is kind of like it's like what like it's kind of futile isn't it no i don't i i can't yeah, imagine again, like, like being the other like... movie got me heated like i was like yeah at the last one i don't have <laughs> anything heated to say about this it just is so like late era this version of Sandler that it just kind of washes off except and I bet you guys can both guess there was a segment that I was like incredibly into and tuned in on and it really revived the movie for me which one it's so obvious to me I really came to life once fucking one of my white queens Reese, oh, Reese Witherspoon, Witherspoon yes. comes Thompson. in as his mom like because again like that stuff I is so sweet it's so sweet and I feel yeah. like the movie a lot of times like coasts on again like kind of like adolescent boy humor but when Reese plays an angel here she is just like so effervescent and just like such a fucking delight and she makes the whole thing so much better so much plays sweeter. an angel she is a valley girl the I love it. I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and say it that scene is lovely it's great it's and then her scene. and Javi Kaitel have a weird flirtation from heaven and hell oh, it fuck. should be said it's one insane. of the <laughs> one of the women who is one of the other angels yeah. in that scene is Jackie Sandler Adam's wife oh, the redhead really? yeah that's his wife that's it's yeah. really sweet. And the implication that not only Carl Weathers, aka Chubbs from Happy Gilmore, right. is in heaven, but so according so to the Chris end Carly. credits, probably like again, adorable. Like I yeah. can't I can't have yeah. anything but love for this movie as as silly and as infantile as it is. Yeah. I don't have love for this movie, but I will say <laughs> Understandable. Understand. Entire, yeah, I never would be the like... entire 15 minutes, 10 minutes, like that Reese Witherspoon stretch to me just like confirmed something that I know that like she is so good when she's in her lane that yeah, I'm just like God, what an angel. I'm so happy that yeah. I live in the time of Reese Witherspoon. She can really fucking She's like, great. 
She's great. And I'm shocked that she did this, honestly. They must be friends. She does not phone it in. She's like fucking in. I think that's why I don't think anybody in this movie phones it in. No, I think everyone's having a good time. Like, I think they're all just stoner friends are in all of his movies, phone it in because, like, that's their thing. Yeah, I mean, they're basically just Jane and Silent Bob, but they worship the devil. (laughs) No, those guys are fun, though. I will will say this movie is probably where I've enjoyed If I I really had to think about it because those guys are in every one of his movies up to a point and I had to think about it I was like I think because I love those characters as fucking stupid as they are I was like I think I enjoy those guys the most in this movie yeah they always get on my nerves they irk me every time I don't know I think that yeah like Sandler's so well liked by everybody to the point that like that's why I think a lot of people were also maybe rooting for him and thinking it was realistic that he could get an Oscar nomination for Rucka Gems because I think he does have so much goodwill in the industry Yeah. yeah even though like whatever like the way critics look at him aside like i think people just like him like they like they want to root for him and i think that's why it was kind of surprising that he wasn't able to break through he has that thing that like anyone can talk shit anyone can hate but like you don't sustain a career like that for 30 plus years or however long it's been at this point you know i think it was james l brooks who was like if Capra were alive today or if so, it was either Capra or Preston Sturges or one of those directors but he was like he would cast Sandler Sandler's like a quintessential everyman there's something I think Sturges so- is more of a fit for Sandler that's the thing that I think that you know we've talked about Nick is like the thing that's always drawn me to Sandler and the reason that he's always been my guy out of all those comedic you know forces in that era is like it is the everyman quality about him and I think because as you know somebody who can feel who can kind of oscillate between like a little insecure to like having like these underlying like moments of rage that's why I've always related to him and I think that's like what was obviously that's what makes Barry Egan such a great character in Punch Drunk Love is the way that he PTA utilized that character but it's in most of his early movies it's there and there's something about him that's just so genuine and it's sweet and he doesn't seem like he's really even when he's hamming it up he's like not hamming it I don't know he's Has just he having ever a good time it up though I think like I just I mean like when he plays a character well I think like when he plays a character like in this where he's just kind of going for it or water boys yeah like, like he's doing like a voice are, that's what I mean I though it's like he's giving a big hammy but that's those what I mean. It's like a like, big performance, but it doesn't feel that big to me. The way that like a Jim Carrey performance steel. can feel yeah. like it's like just fucking uh, like a truck running over you. Like the thing with Sandler is like he's he's got his bag of tricks. He's got his voices and like, you know, his like silly haircuts yeah. and, you know, his like gibberish language and his music. He has a toolkit that he uses. And I think like there are those movies like Little Nicky, Hubie Halloween and The Waterboy where it's like those are the movies where he does a voice and plays like a weird hill dwelling like fucking geek character and then there are the movies where he plays like you know a normal person and there's ha- there's a weird thing that's happened as he's gotten older where he's just become so insanely successful that like the grown-ups movies for instance have to reflect that the world that his movies depict has become have you wealthier. seen all of those basically seen every single one of his movies i think the only one i haven't seen is hotel transylvania 3 that gives you an idea he's dedicated i'm dedicated i'm, I, a, dude, I'm I, a stand I, that's what i'm saying i'm not one of these motherfuckers who's like oh yeah i like it when he makes a serious movie i'm down bro like if i'm with somebody, no listen i'm, I'm, I'm down for the sandman there's a lot of them i haven't seen mostly the netflix movies i mean dude I there's, a lot, probably feel the there's a lot of shit there's a lot of bad shit whereas yeah. like i feel like reese witherspoon i mean they have entirely different careers but i think that a lot of times people like like her when she's in something like big little lies but like sure, i'll yeah. see i'll see this means war like I'll, yeah. I'll see like the new no, like i'll like, see yeah. him again like when like, you I'm like someone you're drawn to them you're like yeah i'm gonna go that's what i'm saying like if you like somebody enough like you 
you can go to bad material with the hopes that they will give you the magic you crave from their presence. I wonder if anyone is like that with like Dennis Quaid. I wonder if someone's like, no matter what Dennis Quaid does, like I'm fucking showing up. Like, I don't give a fuck. I will follow him into the dark. I think there probably are. Rough day at the office, Mrs. Dunleavy. You'll feel better once you get out of those work clothes. <laughs> and into some sweats. Oh. oh, I wish you would let me rub those feet. Of course, I wouldn't use my hands. Even the John Lovitz opening scene, like I immediately, I like, say, again, like I haven't seen in 20 years and I, I put like it on, John I didn't Lovitz. know how I was going to feel about it. And then John Lovitz, when he's sitting in the tree and he's like, why don't you get a slip out of that work clothes and there's some sweats. I fucking laugh so <laughs> Also hard. when he like, like right, then I'm falls man. out of the tree and dies and then go and like, is like going to hell. He yells, I deserve this. Where he's, <laughs> con- funny. He, we should also say for our listeners who may have not seen this movie, he's condemned to hell where his fate is to be tormented by a, humped really by a horror gigantic black bird for the rest of his however long he's alive eternity i guess for eternity, eternity all of yeah. eternity he will be fucked by a giant black bird while ladies night plays um <laughs> there's a there's a sandler comedy sketch called the peeper that is yeah. basically that scenario where sandler voices a guy who's like watching a woman on dress but in the sketch he like pees himself and falls from the tree it's like somehow even more juvenile okay i think the things that still besides that, that like still really made me laugh today were i don't know why i think it's so funny i because the mind control stuff like whatever it's like very oh, silly God. and childish that doesn't so no that's stuff is stupid but the one thing that makes me laugh is when patricia gets walking away after his brother has just made him like say like your luscious ass or whatever and he, it, he says can i wash my winky in your kitchen sink yeah which is insanely stupid and not very funny but then i think if someone said that to me i actually wouldn't <laughs> like, understand what's wrong what with you that's, my well asshole. no i was gonna say that scene that part is not funny but for some reason when she's walking away and he calls after her like Valerie and she turns around and he just slowly gives her the finger <laughs> I don't know why it's like because I'm just trying to imagine if you were that poor woman and this guy like after all that was like hey Valerie just gave you the finger on the I also think the movie knows that that's the funniest part of that scene too because later when they return to it when he's like trying to apologize to her she doesn't say like you were lewd to me she says like you flipped me off <laughs> you it's gave pretty- me the finger the well, that brings me to the other thing that I think also probably informed part of my sense of humor that is so Clint funny Howard. to me is Clint Howard as nipples. Nikki trying to get to Patricia Arquette's window and floating by a window where Clint Howard is just pouring hot wax on his nipples. Oh, that was another joke that I was like, why is this here? Why? <laughs> it was so, so embarrassing good. to me. When he falls by his returning. window again, he's like, you got the wrong window again, the wrong man. window, man. <laughs> oh my God, you like it? <laughs> Also, one thing I noticed watching it again, I was looking in his apartment oh and he has like human skeletons. The set decoration like, in his apartment is great. He has like a curse. He's like a serial killer seems to be the implication. <laughs> he's basically Buffalo Bill. Yeah. He's also like Sandler has this thing and like it's a similar thing to like the Steve Buscemi character in Billy Madison where he clearly thinks these like unhinged potential like white serial killer nerd characters are like the mm-hmm. funniest thing in the world. <laughs> it's true. He's not wrong about that. Oh, hello. That dude looks like a lady. You want to come in? Actually, I'm, I'm looking for a girl named Valerie. Valerie Fran? Two floors up, one window open. Thanks much. Good luck with the nipple rubbing. I don't need luck. I'm good. 
the fucking the hey 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 guy. Yes, the guy who is revealed to have uh, fucked his best friend's wife and gotten her pregnant, and then upon Fitzy. that news, Fitzy, he goes, <laughs> and then yeah, you see him okay, again at the basketball game. That guy is funny. Well, I like the pregnant women. The implication, guys, <laughs> is that as society devolves into a state of chaos and disarray, the hey 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 guy finds more followers. Yeah, then everybody's saying hey hey. <laughs> Like as society crumbles, <laughs> that guy's popularity takes. Over. Also, whatever Dana do Carvey like is do doing like with that. his voice, Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey's voice is the referee. There's no reason for him to sound like no. that, and I just love. But I love that he does. Where he's just like, "You're out of here, get that crap out of here." <laughs> I laughed when Alan Covert drowned Nikki pretending he was Kevin Spacey. I thought that was pretty funny. That too, yeah. Oh, I did think that was funny. yeah. But Dana Carvey, yeah. At one point, is the ref just goes like, "Time out, I'm tired. <laughs> I need to sit down." <laughs> I think the funniest thing I thought about this movie when I was a kid, honestly, and I don't know why, was when they play Chicago backwards and it turns out oh. to be like, I think as a kid, I was oh. like, I would like rewind that part specifically. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm from the deep south. Oh God, yeah, the return <laughs> of that joke. The only time I thought it was funny is in when Patricia Arquette gets the reference. Then yeah. I was like, okay. And listen, I like her here. I just think, I think that she's a little miscast. She's playing like the weird girl and I just, think yeah yeah it's just like she, she's not quite there for me or like her character's like a little less ironed out like i don't understand she's like a parsons design school person i yeah it just seems a little all over the place as far as her character goes but i didn't i wasn't but i was never like there were parts of me myself and irene where i was like sweating with like how much rage i had for it because i think that it's like <laughs> irresponsible but this movie is like benign at, Work. I think there's something about this movie where it's so fucking stupid and it, it absolutely knows it's stupid. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, you can, it's like evaluating it on a traditional metric is kind of impossible. It's like one of those things where you're either into it or you're not. Yeah. Whereas yeah. me, myself and Irene has this veneer of like, no, this is a really sweet movie. This is a movie. This is not a dark movie. Also this movie invented deep fakes by putting his face on Tony Montana when they're trying to say that he's oh, yeah, that was that's such a weird pretty funny. They have him shooting See, up. See that and the Ozzy Osbourne like sometimes the Ozzy like the Osbourne thing culture, I don't like but the, so fucking stupid. I don't know him is Tony Montana with the horrible photoshop and him saying my name is Nikki and I'm gonna kill all you cocksuckers <laughs> I will defend the Ozzy Osbourne bit but I, don't I mean I get it. why they did it um, I also yeah yeah I, it's I'm, just like such low-hanging fruit that I'm like yeah, yeah, I think it's more like I was a huge metalhead when I saw this movie. Like, I have sure. loved heavy metal music my whole life. And uh, there was a part of me, because the soundtrack to this movie is all new metal. And there yeah. was a part of me that wishes that, like, they had actually done, like, because the characters clearly listen to, like, Iron Maiden. Yeah, and, like, yeah. yeah. Priest, but like, I will say, like, especially if we're, we're comparing it to me, myself, and Irene, like, at least the soundtrack. And again, like, I'd rather listen to Pete Yorn than any music that's in here. But, like, it's it like, so, yeah. But it was, like, status. Because it felt like of a piece. Right. Um, yeah, it felt very well. Like there's like multiple incubus needle drops. There's Foo Fighters, POD, Cypress And his haircut is very like sense. of the era too, which I really appreciated. Yeah, he kind of predicted emo, like um, mm-hmm, the emo bands in the mid 2000s. Filter, take a picture. There's a, a very um, beautiful cover of the Deftones song, Be Quiet and Drive. It's like really pretty and it doesn't yeah, really Deftones belong in this near movie. Too. I also love that after all the new metal and all that shit is that when you get to heaven, BB Mac is playing, which is great. I great, thought it was great. Filter, wasn't it? When he walks into the room where Reese Witherspoon is, oh, BB Mac yeah, is yeah, playing yeah, yeah, yeah. in the background. 
Because that's what plays in BB Mac. Okay. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. I know BB. I think the line that probably made me laugh a lot as a kid that I didn't laugh now, but I'm sure as a kid, I think was really funny was when they asked the little kid of the game, what he, what brought him here. And he says, I came for the beer and the bitches. I'm sure that made me laugh very hard when I was 12. <laughs> I don't know. I was just, yeah, they lowered the drinking age to 10. That's like one of the things that the evils. Sandler also did a character on SNL, like way even before Billy Madison, that basically is little Nikki. It was uh, this dude named Gil Graham. He had the same haircut and he was like this heavy metal correspondent. And I guess he was based on a dude that Sandler knew growing up who would just like lie about seeing every band. He'd be like, did you see Led Zeppelin at the full <laughs> And they were just like, you didn't see them. They weren't even in time. He's like, yeah, but I listened to it last night. And he just, it's like a thing where like, yeah. he's been doing these characters for a while. Like the character of Bobby Boucher and the Waterboy is a character that's on one of his CDs. Like again, and this isn't a knock against him. He's, uh, he's got his shtick. He's got his bag of tricks. Yeah. I just had one last thing I wanted to talk about, which is that I really, I would just love to know what it was like to be Christopher Carroll, who has 180 credits to his name, getting the call from his agent to say, hey, you booked the part of Hitler in a French made outfit, getting a pineapple shoved up your ass in hell. <laughs> Congratulations. You did it. Did you guys know that they looked at uh, paintings by Hieronymus Bosch to envision the landscape of hell? No. Who's that? Yeah. Hieronymus Bosch was like, it, it, was an, it was an artist who would depict these like kind of just infernal, horrible landscapes of like fire and rock and people suffering. And like, I just, I watched a behind the scenes making of this movie before we recorded this and their references for it were so much more highbrow than what the movie ended up being. Yeah, so you say, you can't tell. <laughs> no, exactly. But it's like, we try. I think one of the things that like, because Roger Ebert really had it in for Sandler at this point, and this was the oh, first. Oh, really? This is the first Sandler movie he gives like more than a half or like a star and a half review. He gave to. it two and a half stars, yeah. And his reasoning is, and he's not totally wrong, is that it's an actually like a visually ambitious movie. Oh. But yeah, he basically was like, he he's attempting to do something here that he hasn't done before. For and like I admire that and then yeah he becomes one of those guys who is like shocked when he turns in a great performance in Punch Drunk Love. Everything after Punch Drunk Love he's a little bit easier on like he gives Eight Crazy Nights which is absolutely probably Sandler's worst movie. Oh yeah. Two stars. I don't know this one. It's a Hanukkah movie which is horrible because there's not many Hanukkah movies. It's an animated Hanukkah musical. I think This it is all you get. It comes in between I think yeah Mr. Deeds and. Yeah it was at least the same year as Mr. Deeds. Oh. And he and he he gives that's the wedding horrible. singer a star and it's like i'm sorry dude you that's cannot. crazy yeah like that's, that's insane that's, that's insane that's bad take Ebert. rog uh yeah roger Ebert had beef with vincent gallo and adam sandler those were his two but he repaired his beef with sandler which i think is yeah well sandler didn't wish cancer upon him that he ended up getting so sandler met him and said my parents can't watch your show because they start swearing at the tv <laughs> To That's just cute. two old Jewish parents. What is he talking about? We love Nikki. <laughs> that was apparently Sandler's dad's favorite movie of, of his sons was Little Nikki. Wow. Oh, well, Aww. I guess it's a father son. It's yeah. a love letter to yeah. his dad. Yeah. Love that. Since we've already started talking about Ebert, we can finish up with critics, which this movie, again, has a 21%. Robert Wolonsky, the Dallas Observer, gave it an F. He said, little Nikki will redefine the phrase worst movie ever because it might actually be the worst movie ever. It's also not bad in a way that like reinvents the wheel of badness, like other bad movies like Julie, where you're like, how, why? It's just kind of right. generically bad. 
Jiggly, yeah, yeah, you're just like, how did this happen? Uh, little yeah. Nikki, I'm like, I know how this happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know exactly how this happened. Yeah. Uh, Charles Taylor Salon said, Sandler deserves to be damned to the pits of hell for this witless masturbatory comedy. Is this masturbatory? It is indulgent in that I think it's like Sandler. Really, I think this is his blank check movie, like before yeah. Jack and Jill. Masturbatory? No. I mean, it's only masturbatory if you don't find it funny, right? Yeah, I don't think Sandler makes like masturbatory movies. Like, I don't it's think like kind of the either. opposite of anything. Yeah. I think that if anything is a masturbatory movie, like it's honestly probably the grown-ups movies because you're literally just watching those guys hang out and be like, hey, you're fat, you're bald. <laughs> hey, there's a woman. Hey, there's a woman. She got boobs. Huh? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get paid and get out of here. Oh my God. <laughs> One mixed review though. Last review. Jay Hoberman of the Village Voice. Give it a mixed review. He said, certainly Sandler's most ambitious work. It's not just a bid for respectability, but a genuine allegory. Well, he gets it. <laughs> I love tits on heads. Uh, I know where I like my titties. All right. (laughs) Who is the MVP of Little Nikki? It's kind of tough, actually. I mean, I kind of blew my load, but it's Reese Witherspoon. I know that she's only in it for 10 minutes, but people have won Oscars for such things. And she like perked me up. It made me want to watch like more of her movies. Like it it was like a commercial for Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) Yes. But Harvey Cocktail, close second. I don't know who the MVP of Little Nikki is. In purely mechanical terms, the plot does not happen without... Mr. Beefy, who we have not talked about enough in this episode. So, That's true. I don't know if Mr. Beefy's the MVP, but he can shoot arrows out of his dog penis. So that's, that's pretty true. Tight. And fuck rats and have little rat dog babies. <laughs> yeah. He um, fucks, he fucks rats. So he dismantles cops with his fucking, with his like weird little smoke bombs that come out of his dog penis. So stupid. This is really hard to pick, actually. It's not Stephen Brill. It's not Stephen Brill. I, I think Kaitel is definitely a top contender. I, I thought Rodney Dangerfield was fun, but yeah, I think Kaitel's a top contender. I kind of give props to Kevin Nealams for just being a good sport and putting titties on his head. Tarantino is very fucking funny. It's a very funny cameo. It is uh, a funny cameo. It's like maybe the most I've enjoyed him on screen, which is not saying much. I will say this is Quentin Tarantino's best performance. Yes, me too. Definitely. His yeah, best, that's probably his, true. His best performance without it's a not till dust till dawn. <laughs> so I think that this is a roundabout way of saying that I think the MVP of this movie this is an obvious answer is Sandler I knew it I think one of them but I think one of the things because you guys are mentioning all these like very vivid and funny supporting performances I think like the way like a great producer can curate an album or can curate like a film to like feature certain actors or certain performers in the perfect capacity that makes sense for them. Sandler does that for basically everybody here, except Henry Winkler, who he just covers in bees because he thinks it's <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. Um, but he really like, again, you get the sense that there's a real generosity of spirit in this movie and that I think he loves to give the ball, so to speak, to his co-stars and let them be fun. And it takes someone with a lot of, with a very magnanimous comic attitude to do that. And I also just think this movie is like, it's so fucking stupid, but I do think it is a pretty unfiltered distillation of what he thinks is funny. Yeah. No, I guess in in, in that sense, it's Sandler. But I think it's also like, I'm, I was happy to have Harvey Keitel there. I think Harvey Keitel is kind of a nice little. He classes up the joint. He does. It's a nice touch. Final rating. I don't even know what this is. Cause like, again, I didn't have like the best time watching it. Um, I, I actually, I do think like this is a train wreck. Cause it does just feel like they're throwing all of their jokes. Like that, that they've already kind of set up the 
at the wall and some of them say right. mostly right. we love hookers. That's the, that's the <laughs> best joke of the movie. New York really should lady. just change their, their fucking... <laughs> that's something that I wish Trump would have done as an executive order. I'm going to say it's a cult classic, but because I do think it has a cult following. I think it's I like think there, right. there are people that 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 stand for it. And uh, yeah, it would be I'm a gonna, great Halloween costume. It'd be really warm. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Max. I think this is a cult classic. My fiance, Lindsay, her best friend, this is her favorite Adam Sandler. Movie. Wow. And she's seen them all. And I, I think there are other people who, even if this isn't their favorite, the fucking lunacy of it, the, the how batty it is. Right. It stands out, particularly as his movies get kind of safer and not some yeah. people might say lazier as he gets older. It is probably the most ambitious thing he did. I mean, you haven't, like seen, it, you haven't seen Jack and Jill, man. That's true. Yeah. We also, if we didn't do it for this series, we definitely could have done a double feature with End of Days. <laughs> yes. Well, that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's wow. It. Wow. Yeah. Who wow. knew? So. If you, the audience, would have thought, right? Yeah, right. If you out there listening to us in your headphones want to catch up with either one of these explorations into the male psyche, me, myself, and Irene is streaming on Stars, and Little Nikki is rotting in hell over on Cinemax. <laughs> and if you'd like to keep pace with Max and myself, next week we're watching two well-worn favorites in my household: House Bunny, starring uh, Anna Ferris, and Miss Congeniality, starring the unparalleled, and I really mean that, Sandra Bullock. Well, we will be joined by our fo- former coworker and wine personality. Kay Whalen. I yeah. will say also shocked Miss Congeniality is. Right. I think everybody is. That's, that's one of the crazy. ones that everybody is really shocked by. That and that's uh, an oversight, man. Fuck yeah, that. that and the notebook were the ones that I think we heard the most kind of oh, shocked. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Congeniality, I was surprised was rotten because I felt like it was pretty generally liked. I was like, when who the fuck out. is this pissing off? Yeah. <laughs> I watched the hot bunny last year. Sure the hot, hot bunny? bunny. <laughs> I watched the hot bunny last year and uh, <laughs> it was very good. No, I watched the house bunny this past year and I was surprised than how funny it was. Yeah. You'll find out. We're going to find out next week why the critics didn't like these sluts. Um, Oh my God, you are so funny. (laughs) (laughs) You got to bring back that. You have to do that. Your joke of- Fucking sluts makeover didn't give me a boner. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody fucked the house bunny. (laughs) I was promised a hot chick. (laughs) (laughs) She's fucked up. (laughs) Some critics sitting in the dark saying what the fuck? As the lights go down, what the fuck? <laughs> it's the last thing you want to hear before the lights go down. No. In the movie. Some guy behind you. Fuck. I saw something recently, and the last thing I heard right before the lights went down were, oh shit. And I was like, what's going to happen right now? Fingering. Fingering is No, it wasn't. I understand that, but it was not a fingering movie. And then okay. they were fingering movies, during. These movies you can't get fingered to. Next week's movies, I'm just like, if you, man, I'm wearing a skirt. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, if somebody, I hope nobody's ever finger blasted anybody to me, myself and Irene, dude. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I honestly, if I was like a horny teenager in the theater, I would have probably been like, there's nothing better to do. I should just finger you right now. This like, movie fucking sucks. <laughs> this movie sucks. Show me your pussy. Let's fucking dice. <laughs> Everybody realizes collectively in the audience halfway through that the movie's bad and you just hear a collective just spitting noise from the whole audience. In one corner, there's somebody getting fingered and then the other corner, there's the vengeful movie critic. I can hear you. I'm trying to laugh over here. Can you stop getting fingered, please? <laughs> but right now, we want to we want to say goodbye to Nick and thank him for hopping on the back of our metaphorical motorcycle once again to discuss these rotten movies. We, lo- we, love you, we, we love you, Nicky. 
Thank you guys. We love you, dude. If you made it this far into the podcast, you should also show your love to us by following us on Instagram and Twitter, liking everything that we do on those apps, as well as subscribing to us on Spotify and iTunes and leaving us just like a great cummy review all over iTunes. Yeah. And we still haven't gotten any comments on Instagram about movies that you think are movies to get fingered by two or two. Yeah. Yeah. Not finger (laughs) get on tumblr right now all right well on that note thank you for for joining us everybody say thank you come samnida what thank you in korean fucking ever do that again on this podcast (laughs) fucking ever (laughs) on this podcast we talk american (laughs) disregard that (laughs) until you're back Chicken is fucking awesome.